You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. You're in the Broncos Audio Zone for the post-game podcast and the post-preseason podcast because that's it. After five games, seem like forever, the preseason is over. The Broncos finish the warm-up slate 2-3 and three with a 20-7 win over the Arizona Cardinals Thursday night at Broncos Stadium at Mile High. I'm Andrew Mason. I'm joined here by Ryan Edwards of Broncos Country Tonight, KOA News Radio. 7 to 10 p.m. starting next week as the revised KOA schedule coming out. So everything's set there. And you'll be broadcasting from the Pat Bowen Fieldhouse studios most nights, correct? Yeah, that's true. Now we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, to kind of settle into that time slot. We've been kind of filling in there in uh, the afternoon time slot, which has been a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, Big Al, now part of the staff officially. And uh, their show is going to get going along with JoJo on Tuesday. So you guys are in regular season mode. The Broncos finally will be in regular season mode. Oh, man. I feel like the preseason started during the Clinton administration. That's how long this thing seems. That first game against the Atlanta Falcons feels like it was years ago. And... What's interesting, Ryan, it was a long preseason. It seemed interminable at times. But in some ways, we don't know a lot more about this team than we knew at the start. We've gotten some answers, but we certainly haven't gotten all the answers we needed. Yeah, no question about it. And coming out of this final preseason game, you're you're still wondering sort of the back half of the roster, the linebacking core, what that's going to look like. we got some possibly some good news on Todd Davis. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely still some questions. Who ultimately is going to be your returner tonight? You had good performances, actually, from both River Craycraft and Kelvin McKnight. I guess good as it relates to what they have been. <laughs> so it's not not going too crazy on but They both had a couple of highlight returns. So you do wonder a few things there. but And, of course, you also wonder about the backup quarterback. Who's, who's going to be the backup quarterback? Vic Fangio, noncommittal in his press conference on if it's going to be Kevin Hogan or somebody else. Yeah, you're right. A lot of questions. I do wonder, Mace, because we've all felt the same way about the preseason and training camp in this offseason period. I wonder if part of it is because we never really got the dress rehearsal game, like the the true dress rehearsal game where the starters play a half of football and there's really something you could sink your teeth into. You know, the offense, the starting offense with Joe Flacco played about 40 snaps and as you put it, we're left with still some questions about how good they're actually going to be because they didn't score any touchdowns. What was interesting, I was adding up the possessions for the four Broncos quarterbacks in the preseason, something I'll include in my post-game observations on denverbroncos.com. And one of the things I like to do is break them down by total number of possessions, points per possession, net yards per possession, first downs, etc. So, not counting the kneel down at the end of the game, Brett Rippon ended the preseason with nine possessions. Kevin Hogan had 23 possessions. Drew Locke, 18 possessions. Joe Flacco, four. Now, not too bad. They averaged north of 41 net yards per possession 
1.75 first downs per possession. It's about average 1.5 net points per possession. You'd like to be a little bit better. That's nothing to panic about with that small sample size. But still, four possessions for the first team offense. Now, we've seen them out there in practice, but how many times does Vic Fangio keep saying over and over and over, the game is different than practice? So, it's a little... It's not quite like college football with no preseason, but in some ways, for the offense especially, it feels that way. It does. Uh, that's, a, that's a great way to point it. And so uh, we, we, we learned certain things about the offense, about what I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a good team 20-20. to 20. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. They've got enough uh, weapons and firepower to be able to do that, but uh, closing out might take a little bit of time because really, once it becomes a compressed field, that timing that we did see in training camp. We definitely saw some of that timing coming together towards the tail end of training camp. Didn't show up on the field, and you said it perfectly. Vic Fangio called the games the exams, the final exams versus the practice exams versus the quizzes. And it's a bit of an incomplete grade, at least right now. That's the best way to put it. But for some of these guys, the grades have to be complete because roster decisions are coming here over the course of the next 40 hours or so. The Broncos have to be down to 53 players on the active roster by Saturday afternoon. They can name their practice squad Sunday. They can move players to recallable injured reserve on Sunday. If you put the player on IR Saturday and not on the 53, then they are lost for the year. So a lot to consider. And really, while we don't want to linger too much on the game, but just to kind of look at some roster spots I don't think there was any doubt about Malik Reed, but he put his name clearly in Sharpie with a couple of sacks out there against the Cardinals tonight. Very active, exactly what you expect, four sacks for him for the entire preseason. You had um, Juwan Winfrey playing on special teams, playing into the fourth quarter for some reason, but I still think he's going to be on the 53-man roster when all is said and done. You had Austin Schlotman and Elijah Wilkinson both uh, working on the inside. Wilkinson worked at both tackle and guard in this game. No surprise that he worked both inside and outside. They've been cross-training him there. I think he's in Sharpie, but Vic Fangio said this week, 10 to 15 spots still open, and they have some interesting discussions coming up because I don't think there's a lot of clarity, and I think there will be at least a couple of guys who have made the team on Saturday that are on the outside looking in on Sunday as the Broncos make some more moves off the waiver wire. I think they're going to be very busy. Well, it's fun tonight, and you see this in those final preseason games, performances like Fred Brown. And now most of his work was done in the first half, but the five catches for 66 yards on five targets, got a touchdown in there, showed some nice chemistry with Kevin Hogan. In fact, Kevin Hogan was really at his best when he was targeting and involving Fred Brown when he wasn't. It was a bit more of a mixed bag. Those two interceptions uh, were his fault, and and he needs to to take better care. The thing that uh, bothered me, so you know, with Kevin Hogan, you have the interceptions, and then the end of half sack that he took when you were in field goal range. That field awareness stuff that continues to be a bit of a problem for him. Balls were high today with his passes, so he was a little off target. It was close enough because these guys were running wide open a lot of the time. But in the end, I mean, that, that that's not a lot of clarity. But as far as it relates to the 53, I have him on right now. Mace, and I know we can get into this right now, but I, I have him on right now because the Broncos are going to have to carry him into the season now. If, if they see somebody out there that changes their mind, they did move some money to get cap relief. They could go that route, but 
Right now, I got him on. Well, I have him on as well because I just did not see enough from River Craycraft and Kelvin McKnight on punt returns to say, I'm using a roster spot on one of these two guys at the expense of Fred Brown, who's seen some first-team reps in practices and has caught almost everything thrown his way. The fact that he got a touchdown on the dreaded fade route, your least favorite route. I'm not going to be sarcastic there and say, Ryan, your favorite. No, your least favorite. When that happened... I thought, boy, oh boy, if Fred, Brown, if Fred Brown can get a touchdown pass on a fade route for this team when so much has gone wrong on the fade in the preseason, there's something there. And the other thing, if you're talking about Fred Brown maybe being a punt returner, they didn't use him in games in the preseason. I have seen him working on it after practice. So clearly it's something that he's getting a little cross-training in just in case the scenario arose where he could be on the team and he looked very good tonight, and I think he could be good as a gunner in that type of role as well. Now, the, granted, with Fred Brown, Juwan Winfrey, you might have two guys for one spot on the active 46, and maybe Fred Brown gets the edge right now if they're both on the 53. But, yeah, he's there for me. And then on punt returns, maybe you're looking at Fred Brown. Maybe you're saying Deshaun Hamilton, go back there and at least be a punt catcher. But that's the way it's trending for me right now. We'll see if that's how it works on Saturday. All right, so you want to get into a little 53? Let's go. All right. So starting a quarterback, um, I think we're probably in lockstep, pun intended. I got three. I think they're going to try to keep Drew Locke. Now, Drew Locke was uh, pretty heavily bandaged on his right foot, as or right hand, sorry, right hand, as we were walking through the locker room tonight. So I guess there's always a possibility that they change their mind and say, no, let's go ahead and put him on IR or even with a chance to return. But at this point, uh, Flacco, Hogan, for sure, and they're going to try to sneak Brett Rippon on. He didn't do anything tonight that I think is going to change his trajectory. Yeah, I could see him on the practice squad, and I think that's probably the, the best spot for him. There were some good throws from for him. But really what got the offense going in the second half of Brett Rippon was when they got the running game going. Running game was awful for a while. That drive where Kalfani Muhammad had the 49-yard run and then Devontae Jackson had the score one play later from two yards out. Before that drive, the Broncos had 19 yards on 15 attempts. And time after time, you saw running backs met in the backfield. The offensive line and run blocking struggled tonight. And I think that it, that performance is a reminder of how offensive line could be a position where you see somebody make it on Saturday and then knocked off the roster by a waiver claim on Sunday. It drops off pretty quickly once you get past Wilkinson. And, and Schlotman showed some good things at times, and I think he's going to be on the roster. But then beyond that, I think it's kind of vague, and I would look for some moves coming this weekend. Yeah, and they actually, you know, they ended with 124 yards rushing, but only averaging 3.9, and that's with that 47-yard run in there. So, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. They did not run the ball despite the fact that, oh, they finished over 100 yards rushing. 3.9 tells you a little bit more about what this looked like for them. So, It wasn't a good game on the whole on the ground. Nice possession, not a good game. Okay, so for quarterbacks, you got three as well? I do. I have Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Kevin Hogan. I think the intrigue comes Sunday because you have to decide if Drew Locke is going to go to injured reserve. I've been thinking about this. I have four running backs, and I have Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Devontae Booker, and Theo Riddick. 
I don't think both Riddick and Locke are going to injured reserve. Because if you do that, then you're basically saying, okay, both of these guys we're bringing back, these are our recallable spots. And I can't see them using both of those bullets when you might lose somebody early in the season and you want them back later on. I mean, God forbid you lose one of your starters in week two, but they could be back by week 13 or 14. And if you've made it your plan to have Drew Locke and Theo Riddick be the guys coming off IR later in the season, you're up a creek. So I think only one of Locke and Riddick end up on IR. And some of that depends on the recovery timetable. How soon could Theo Riddick be back? How long will Drew Locke's recovery take? The other thing that may come into play, Ryan, is simply the fact that you're only activating two quarterbacks on game day anyway, so they may say, okay, well, then we're just going to treat Drew Locke as the third quarterback. He'll be inactive. But that doesn't mean Kevin Hogan is safe. He could be a victim of the same circumstance that brought him to Denver last year when the Broncos claimed him off waivers a day after the cuts and let go of Paxton Lynch. I think that's exactly right. What these guys all strike me as is, you're going into game day inactives and actives, 46 guys, and you're going to have several of the guys that are interactive just, just injured. Like, they, they were going to be injured. You just plan on that. They're part of your active. Now, the only issue with that becomes, Mace, is that if there are more injuries, then you could really put yourself in a bit of a bind. But right now, I could see that being the plan at least for today, and if you get through the weekend somehow, we'll see from there. I, I have the same running backs right now. I'd, I, I considered not having Booker on, but the fact that he didn't play tonight makes me feel like he is. So uh, Booker, Riddick, Freeman, and Lindsey. And then it comes to uh, whether or not you can keep Jano. And at this point, it, it depends on how severe that is. I think I've got him on right now, but that leaves me with only three tight ends on the roster right now. Unless you go heavy on offense. You have 25 on offense, 25 on defense. That's right. Awesome, because we need some disagreement here. I have 26 on offense. Because I'm going eight offensive linemen. I know a lot of years they keep nine. I just don't see nine there right now. My eighth guy is Don Barclay. Could be Jake Brendel. Who do you have? I had Barclay. Uh, but, but I think you're right. You make a good point. I mean, it depends on what they saw. We both agree the Schlotman's on there. Uh, obviously, Wilkinson's on there. I guess Sam Jones is a little bit of a wild card here because he could be a practice squad guy. Didn't really hasn't really probably done enough over the course of the preseason to change anything about where he's at. He's a draft pick, so I think that they naturally want to keep developing him. So he's a bit of a wild card. We both probably agree they're going to be looking outside to get an offensive lineman. They they actually probably need a tackle like almost desperately because Elijah Wilkinson more likely is, is going to be needed at guard, at least at some point this season. And I think that tackle comes Sunday after the waiver wire and the Broncos make a claim there, and that's a question who they let go, or do they simply have one player go to IR and then add that tackle in that spot? I have four tight ends, but one of them is Orson Charles. He is your fullback to spell Andy Janovich early. The other tight ends, obviously, Noah Fant, Jeff Hireman, Troy Fumagalli. Now, Fumagalli played extensively tonight. I thought he had a really good game. And to go back to the quarterbacks for a moment, of course, Kevin Hogan had that uh, 23-yard pass to Troy Fumagalli. Watch the route. 
and watch how Fumagalli kind of uses his head to sell the fake, that he's going to go one way and he cuts outside. It was a coverage lapse by Arizona, but some of that lapse was created by the head bob that Troy Fumagalli had. He does those subtle things that actually remind me a little of another Wisconsin tight end, Owen Daniels. I think they teach it there in Madison. Something about the way they guide their tight ends. It's just fun watching you talk about Wisconsin anything <laughs> at this point with the big smile that it comes across your face. This little head bob, and uh, it, was, it was really special. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. And, and so for, but for me, I'm going with three tight ends and Jano with a hope that Jano is going to be back sooner. So Fumagalli's taking your fullback snaps in week one or for however long you need. That's correct. Yeah, he's my, he's my H-back and... He's, I mean, because the fact is, on any game day, you might not really see four tight ends unless one's a special teams ace. And so in this case, I'm, I'm utilizing all three tight ends. They're all going to have a, a role on the offense on game day, and Fumagalli is going to be my, my blocking fullback or halfback. All right, so 25 on the offense for Ryan. I have 26. Let's move on, on to the defensive side. We'll start with the defensive line. I've got six guys making the cut here. Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, Adam Gotts, first team. Draymond Jones, third-round pick. Demarcus Walker, who played an awful lot Thursday night. And Mike Purcell, who realistically, I think, took the spot from Zach Kerr with the way he's played all summer. That's my six. And you figure five of those are active on game day in the regular season. I think the question becomes, is it Demarcus Walker or Draymond Jones? I would lean toward Walker right now, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. I'm 100% with you, six guys. It's the same six, so it's kind of boring, but it's what's happening out on the field. Now, you could make a case, because I know Benjamin Albright's made a couple of cases on Deshaun Williams, uh, he thinks he's in ahead of Demarcus Walker, but I just I still see Demarcus Walker on this roster. I just think he's played too well. There was something interesting start of the game. The three captains were Austin Schlotman, Demarcus Walker, and Shamarco Thomas. That's one of those things that could be significant because you're basing your game to game captains in the preseason on how players are practicing what kind of an impression they're making and so when I saw those three out there we know Austin Schlotman was in good shape based on how they've used him the last couple weeks in practice Shamarco Thomas I think it's interesting we'll get to him in a moment when we discuss the defensive backs and then Demarcus Walker I think reveals just what the coaches think of his play today and that tells me that he's going to be on the 53 in my opinion me too. And I love how you characterize Mike Purcell's play as he took the job. That's exactly what happened. He had experience with Vic Fangio in San Francisco, but in the end, he had to come in and he had to somehow take it away from Zach Kerr. Zach Kerr was the guy that everybody picked to be on the roster, had experience here, and they brought him back. They signed him as a free agent. So that, that was the belief that Zach Kerr was on this roster, but Mike Purcell just played better and once they made that roster move it became very evident what they thought of Mike Purcell uh, there's no question about it he's on it gets more interesting getting to the back two lines let's start with linebacker I have three pure edge rushers on the roster Von Miller Bradley Chubb Malik Reed my fourth edge rusher also factors in the depth at inside linebacker and that's Justin Hollins who I thought had a very good game 
Thursday night, I actually asked him about his two pass deflections in the game. He talked about just how he's learning how to read the offense better, learning how to read plays as they develop and react to them. The fact that he's doing that well in coverage, it's a very good sign for him. And you know he can rush the passer when need be, but he's not on Malik's, Malik Reed's level as a pass rusher. Malik Reed, he's played himself into a role where he's going to get 10, 15 snaps off the edge in the regular season. He's going to have a chance to really do something out there. We always say, what does it look like when you're playing against threes and fours? If you're dominating, that should tell you what kind of player, and he has been dominating against backups. I can't wait to see what he does against starting caliber. We've seen a little bit of it in training camp, but again, that's against your own team. I want to see in a real game what he could possibly do. There's a lot of excitement there. But back to Hollins for a minute. He's just gotten better and better. And that's one of the things that you really like about a player, a developmental player. And the fact that the coaching staff believes that they could ask more of him other than just being a stand-up outside linebacker, pass rusher, he does that. He goes inside. He's in coverage. He just seems to be getting it. And I had a chance to talk to him for the pregame on KOA. And he he talked about kind of the same thing, echoing the same thing you said, you know, why he likes playing inside linebackers because you get a chance to kind of see the field and see things develop. You're not just running straight forward or trying to use a pass rush move and get by your guy. You get to see things develop. And, and because of his speed, he can close in a hurry. That 4-5 speed, I like to say it, same speed is no offense. On the offensive side, not insignificant. So Hollins is part of the mix at inside linebacker. But as far as pure inside linebackers go, I have five guys right now. And got tough on the back end of this. I have Todd Davis and report from Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post talking with Todd in the locker room after the game. Todd says he's going to be ready to go for week one. We'll see, as our friend Steve Atwater would say. But what's the full? What's the complement of snaps? Like if he's available, what's worse than his conditioning at? You know, it's true. Which means you're going to rely on a backup. Josie Jewell, obvious. He's on there. I have Joe Jones, even though he's battling the injury that he suffered in the first preseason game. You do need special teamers. I think part of the reason why the special teams at times look kind of shambolic in the course of the preseason, especially with the first units, was because Joe Jones wasn't out there. And this is where it gets interesting now. Alexander Johnson and Jamal Carter. This is a gut call. I saw enough of him being active, flying around, showing potential. When you move Jamal Carter from safety to inside linebacker, you, to quote Dr. McCoy... In Star Trek 3, you turn death into a fighting chance to live because he wasn't making the team from safety. But he had a chance from inside linebacker. But if you are fully invested in this transition, I think there's potential there based on what I saw. Playing with a lot of energy, technically he needs work. But this was not going to be something that he was going to grasp immediately. And Vic Fangio in his comments has indicated that it's going to take some time. They didn't want to see him grasp and master everything right now because that was unrealistic. You know he can help you on special teams as well. But if he's going to be an inside linebacker, you've got to play the long game. You've got to get him working there in practice for a year. He's got to get in the weight room. He's got to add probably 10 pounds at minimum, probably 15 to 20, to be effective at that position 
I would like to see the team give Jamal Carter a fair shot at inside linebacker. We've seen enough energy from him when he's been out there in 2017 and in the preseason in 2019. I have him sticking, and you're trying to get Josh Watson through to the practice squad. I kind of want to find a way to put Josh Watson on. I felt like he's also kind of a candidate for a guy that continually showed improvement. The problem for Josh Watson is he's too much like the other inside linebackers they already have. The guys that are starting, guys that are good run-stuffing inside linebackers, and he's not a super speedy guy when it comes to coverage. So he is... I, I am inclined to agree with you based on your logic there. I think Jamal Carter found a way on, but if I'm Jamal Carter, I wouldn't feel too comfortable because, again, you're talking about where is he on Sunday, where is he on Monday when they have a chance to see what's out there. Yeah, I'd say probably any guy in the back, the back 10 or 12 of this roster may not feel safe going into Monday. And that's where he's going to be. Yeah, exactly. But you have Jamal Carter on for now. I do. Okay. So we agree there. So... We have the same linebackers. Well, it, it, it's hard. I mean, we, we could include Keyshawn Bieria, but but it's not. There's not a lot of special there for him. He might be another guy they're going to try to just put on practice squad unless they liked Josh Watson more. So really, we're only leaving out two guys because Joe Deneen's already on IR. And the other thing at inside linebacker, when you're talking about Josh Watson, I think we saw the quintessential Josh Watson play Thursday night. At the end of it, he forced a fumble. Good. Yay, Josh Watson. It's a long play in part because he got beat in coverage. Nice hustle, but it showed his limitations as a coverage linebacker. Now let's get to the defensive backfield because another guy who was part and parcel to that play was Sue Cravens, missing a tackle. I have nine defensive backs. This is where I get down to 24 on the defensive side compared to 26 on offense, and that does not include Sua Cravens. I have four pure cornerbacks, four pure safeties, and of course, Kareem Jackson starting at safety, who can be a corner, is on there as well. So that's my, my nine right now are Chris Harris Jr., Bryce Callahan, Isaac Yam, Devontae Bosby, Kareem Jackson, cornerback slash safety, and then at safety, Justin Simmons, Will Parks, Trey Marshall who had an interesting game because he had the chance to down a punt the one-yard line and couldn't bring it in, but also did some good things on the defensive side. And then going back to special teams and seeing him as a special teams captain, Shmarco Thomas. I wonder about Shmarco's injury. He ended up having to leave the game Thursday night. I don't know how serious it is, but uh, it was enough to pull him from the game. And that could be preventative kind of deal where it's like it's close and because it's preseason they decided well we have a certain amount of expected value for Shamarco Thomas and we don't want to risk anything there or he really could be hurt we already know DeMonte Thomas is going to be out a couple of months Vic Fangio said he said a month maybe two with a leg injury uh, by the way Jake Butt uh, in the press conference he said he's going to be out at least a month too so there's Jake Butt seems screams a recallable IR kind of position. So, I have Sue Cravens on. And I have Trey Marshall on as well. I have both of those guys. And for me, you're right. Sue Cravens with the missed tackle. 
he, as we keep talking about guys that improved, he isn't one of those guys. Okay, so you're... Your reason, your reasoning for keeping Sua Cravens on is you're taking the entirety of the picture, what he did in training camp, what he's shown at times in games, and hoping that that he can continue as a back end of the roster guy uh, to keep developing. But it wouldn't shock me one way or the other if he's also, again, as we're talking about the end of the roster guys, that they decide to go a different direction even after he makes the cut. Now, remember, it was uh, last year where he did make the cut. And then they put him on IR. So things like that happen all the time. I'm not saying he's going on IR, but you understand my point. Like, he could make the cut. We could be talking about that on Saturday. And as of Sunday, everything can change. He's a back end of the roster guy right now, though. Yeah, back end of the roster means you're not necessarily playing on Sundays because he's not as active on special teams as some other guys, which is very interesting and may not work in Stuart Cravens' favor. But I think. There's something to the notion if Shamarco Thomas's injury is something longer term, and we know Damonte Thomas's injury is longer term, and that may just end his season just because of the roster calculus. He might go on IR before the cuts, and that may be it for Damonte for the year. But Shamarco, maybe it's Shamarco Thomas and Sua Cravens for one spot on the back end. I'd say there's more uncertainty as we go through this. And by the way, the specialists are obvious. Colby Wadman, very good game tonight. I feel like he got stronger as the preseason went on. Brandon McManus had a field goal block. You're not worrying about that. Case Kreider, good long snapper. So no questions there. But I feel like even though we have a good deal of commonality on our 53, it's still it's still some questions there. Yeah, it's riddled with questions. There's no doubt. I mean, we, we're acknowledging they could have, what, upwards of four, maybe even five guys they add after the fact. We both acknowledge they have to add an offensive lineman, probably an offensive tackle. They probably could look at adding a tight end, depending on how they're feeling about their tight end room. Jake Butt's going to almost guaranteed be on IR. You're probably looking at inside linebacker, maybe a vet there, because there's question marks there. I think about the only thing that we're pretty certain on is the calculus when it comes to D-line. I think you're pretty certain on... Maybe that's about it. Maybe wide receiver, I guess. You have to kind of decide if you want the sixth guy or not, if it's River Craycraft. But at, at this point, yeah, I mean, you're you're mostly kind of going through there saying, I could see it. I guess maybe cornerback. I can't I can't see them, unless, unless Elijah Holder's interception at the end changed anything for them. In the end, I, I think he's, he's a perfect candidate. Oh, my gosh, if you're going to keep a cornerback, Elijah Holder's the guy that you try to sneak on practice squad. Yeah, he showed more than... Trey Johnson, Lennon Stevens, Rashard Causey at this point. I think he's the best of that group. Wouldn't surprise me if he's on the practice squad. I think they can get him through. I think they'd like to get Sam Jones through the practice squad. Brett Rippon. I can see Kelvin McKnight being on the practice squad when all is said and done. Kalfani Muhammad, I think they'd love to be able to get him there. There just isn't room for him on the 53, it would appear, unless there's a shock cut somewhere else at the running back position. Deshaun Williams, I think you, you said it best. There's one that is a name to watch because he's played well enough to make this team. And if you're talking about the best 53, I think he is among the best 53. But the roster calculus isn't simply the best 53. It's the best at the right mix of spots. I will say this, Justin Hollins being able to back up at inside or outside, 
that made it a little bit easier for me to construct the roster on the defensive side. And that's why another reason why I could justify 24 defensive players rather than 25 is because Justin Hollins is backing up at two spots. Yep. And he, like I said, I don't know what his snap count is going to be when the season hits, but knowing that you have that availability and that uh, he's, he's showing consistent improvement and seeming to take the coaching really well, I think you got a, a bit of a gym there. I agree. And I think Malik Reed's a gem. They got some gems. By the way, Vic Fangio did say Malik Reed's on the 53. No shock to anybody. Ryan, appreciate it. I'll talk to you Saturday. We're going to break down the cuts when the Broncos get down to 53. We will analyze it and delve into the state of the roster. That'll be Saturday night. So join us then. We'll have that up. For Ryan Edwards, I'm Andrew Mason. Talk to you next time in the Broncos Audio Zone.